Hear the word of God from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 through chapter 5, verse 2. These readings come from the New Revised Standard Version. You can find this reading on page 951 in the Pew Bible. So then, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands, so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up, as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and live in love as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The word of God for the world. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Jennifer. So this week, I was watching this educational um, website, and they had this video, and it told a story about a school in Nashville, Tennessee. And they were doing something with their kids as they were coming back to school this year. They said they recognized that the children, just like us grown-ups, they'll come to school and they can carry with them all kinds of life challenges and circumstances. And they acknowledged then when things didn't go their way in the classroom and they got frustrated and angry, they needed to find ways to help them deal with these emotions, those negative emotions that would rise up. And so they came up with this way to help the children process their emotions in healthy ways. And here's what they did. It was very interesting. They made in every classroom a peace corner. What they do, did is they took a, a comfortable chair. They uh, made space that was separate and quiet. And they put some stress tools nearby. They had some squish balls. And um, they had a timer where the child could flip it over so they could see when five minutes were up. They even hung on the walls some breathing exercises for the children to go through. And in one of the classrooms, they had a little um, sheet of paper. And it was a coloring sheet. And the child could write down how they were feeling. And they had um, listed on there, they called it the I Can Choose handout. And they said, the choice I made is, the way I feel is, and what I can do the next time I feel like this is. And then the kids could write it in, and they even had picture objects to help them uh, describe their emotions. They said when they did this, they discovered it became empowering and even transformational for both the students and the classroom, right, as you can imagine. And I loved how one girl said it. She said, you know, when I get angry, I can stop and go sit in that peace chair instead of yelling or acting out. And then instead, I can do some things that get me calm inside. How cool was that? And, you know, it got me to wondering, uh, what would my peace chair look like? 
You know, which one would it be? Where would I put it in my home or maybe in my workplace? And what tools would I put around my peace chair? Well, today we're taking a look at that very real emotion of anger. And we get some wise counsel, I think, from our author of the book of Ephesians. You know, emotions, they are emotions and there's nothing wrong with them. There are feelings and they can be indicators for us about how we're responding to our external and our internal circumstances. And even our negative emotions, they can be great teachers for us if we allow them to be. Over the last several weeks, we've been exploring this letter of Ephesians. And in it, we've explored the depths to which the author goes to remind us about the community of Christ, of who they are, one in Christ, the love that God has for them, and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit alive in their work. Today's reading, the author gets real, really real with his audience, and he offers up some really wise counsel to them on that really real emotion of anger. And I believe our text today is actually suggesting to us that when we notice our anger and when we choose to approach it in some healthy ways, well, then it can become transformational for us, it can change us, and we can live more fully into the persons we're created to be. As Justin and McGray and I were getting together this last week on this passage, we noticed that this text pivots, it seems, around verse 20. That verse that says, be angry but do not sin. Don't let your sun go down on the anger. And we thought if the writer is going to get really practical, well, we would too this week. And so what we decided to do is include an insert in your bulletin that has sermon notes in it. And so I'm going to invite you, if you'd like, you can fill it in and follow along. We'll see if I hit all of the blank spots on your little handout today. Um, But to get us started, that question seems to come up. How can we get be angry without sinning? Well, it starts out with the first A in our alliteration, which is awareness. We see in verse 20 that invitation to name our emotion. It says, be angry. It's no judgment on that, no judgment on the word anger there. As a matter of fact, it's almost permission giving, be angry. It's an awareness of the emotion. There's no positive or negative to it. It just is what it is. The awareness then, it provides the opportunity to step into the second A there, which is acceptance. You see, once we identify our emotion, this negative emotion, and we see it, well, then we get the choice to either accept that it exists or we can run and hide from it. Anyone familiar with that? I mean, if we're honest, we all know that we can stuff our emotions and we can run and hide from them, but they also have a really funny way of popping back up around to us, don't they? I love the definition that one of our modern-day theologians, Frederick Buechner, says when he talks about anger. Listen to this. He says, of the seven deadly sins, anger is possibly the most fun. 
to lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll your tongue at the prospect of bitter confrontations still to come, to savor the last toothsome morsel, both the pain that's given and the pain you're giving back, in many ways can feel like a feast fit for a king. But then he says, the chief drawback is that what you're wolfing down is yourself, and the skeleton at the feast becomes you. Ouch, right? I mean, life is life, and feelings are feelings. The invitation for us today is to not choose to run, but rather to become aware and to accept our anger when it arises so that we don't become the skeletons at our own dinner table. I mean, when we're stuck in anger and resentment, we can lose our focus. We don't need to tolerate the unacceptable, but when we wallow in negativity and we hold on to anger and resentment, it doesn't alter our situation. And we have a choice when we feel powerless in a situation or stuck in those feelings of resentment. And we can look to God. We can ask Jesus to help us cut the strings that attach us to our emotions of the circumstances or the individuals. And that brings me to the third A in that alliteration, action. Our text says, be angry, but be angry, but do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. We get a choice into how we respond to that emotion of anger. And to take healthy action with our anger often begins by practicing forgiveness. Forgiveness with ourselves, forgiveness with others, those we've hurt or those who have hurt you. But we also know it's not easy. And in your sermon notes, we have listed four blocks. Uh, You might call them imposters, that's the word, of forgiveness. And if you notice, they spell the word ruin. And when you experience these, it can often cause us to ruin a good night's sleep and not and take the, not go to bed. And the anger then comes with us when the sun goes down. So let's take a look at these four words of ruin. The first is refusal. Refusal is when we choose simply not to forgive. Uh, U is for uncertainty. Uncertainty, that is that I'm uncertain how to forgive. We get stuck in our ability to forgive. The I is for ignorance. That's when we're unaware that we've either had harm done to us or we are naive that someone has hurt us. We might even ignore or pretend that it didn't happen. But, oh, it still sits there underneath the surface, doesn't it? And the N is for neglect. Neglect is when we forgive on the surface, but we neglect to look at the deeper issue that causes us harm or conflict, and thus we still hold on to it. My guess is some of you can relate to some of these, and they are those imposters that can ruin a good night's sleep. 
And so while there's these imposters of forgiveness, we also notice that the scripture gives us some biblical postures of forgiveness. And for those, we have three more alliterations as well. The first biblical posture that we can see in this text today is live in love. The text says, be kind and compassionate and forgive each other. In the same way, you, in the same way God forgave you in Christ. You know, forgiveness, it's a matter of the heart. And it's a conscious choice that you will stop trying to feast on yourself or another by holding on to anger and resentment. Instead, you can choose to reorient your heart and look to motivation towards seeking out forgiveness rather than resentments. And we can choose to look to love, God's love, for our own healing and forgiveness. But, you know, I do believe we know it's not easy, right? We know it takes time. But the good news is we don't have to do it alone. And that takes me to the second posture of forgiveness in our alliteration. It's take your time. Forgiveness takes time, and it takes intention, right? Sometimes it happens all at once, and sometimes, like Jesus says, it can take 77 times or more. I came across this illustration before that I've often used. It's helped me when dealing with anger or resentment in my life. It has helped me with forgiveness, especially when I get find I'm stuck in it. Listen to what this writer says. The most loving form of detachment from anger I have has been forgiveness. And instead of thinking it as an eraser to wipe another person's slate clean or a gavel to pound or pronounce someone's not guilty, I think of forgiveness as scissors. I use it to cut the strings of resentment or anger that bind me to a problem or a past hurt. And by releasing resentment, I set myself free. When my thoughts are full of bitterness and fear, self-pity, or dreams of revenge, there's little room for love or for that quiet voice of God's guidance that's in me. And every time I try to loose, tighten the noose of resentment around somebody else's neck, I am really only choking myself. So today, I'll practice forgiveness. For the more I choose forgiveness the better my life works. You know, I got to tell you, I have used that illustration time and time again. And I use it whenever I find myself attached to anger or resentment. I picture that string attached to me and whatever that anger or resentment is and try to find a way to cut that string And when I do, I find and feel that freedom and that healing that comes. But i got to be honest with you, a lot of times I discover I can't cut that string on my own. And that's where I turn to God. And sometimes not only do I need Jesus' help in helping me cut that string, I need Jesus to help to actually pick up those scissors and cut it for me. I don't know if you've ever been there. But you know, when I do... I have found that then I can step into the fullness and to the freedom of God's healing and love 
When we open ourselves up to forgive, the ability to imitate God's love and to say words that build up the community becomes possible. And that takes me to the last posture of forgiveness that we find today in our text. Watch your words. Time and time again, the Bible talks about our words as the chief fruits of our heart. And did you notice when Jennifer read the scripture today, how many times the words were used as having an impact? Listen, in verse 25, it says, let us speak truth. And then in verse 29, don't speak evil, but speak words that build up and let your words offer grace. For our writer today, words tear down people, grieves the Holy Spirit, the scripture says. And when we choose to speak words that discourage or tear others down, words that divide rather than build up, well, then we lose the power of the Holy Spirit to move through us. We limit our ability to be healed, forgiven, and restored with ourselves and in our relationships. And that brings me to the last fill-in on your sheet. One of our colleagues once said, you can't ever lose the power, um, the presence of the Holy Spirit. You can't ever lose the presence of the Holy Spirit. But we can lose the power of the Holy Spirit. When we seek forgiveness, we open ourselves up to the power of the Holy Spirit to flow freely and work in ways in us that we can never imagine. And the scripture says today, therefore imitate God, dearly loved children. Live your life with love, following the example of Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. And he was a sacrificial offering that smelled sweet to God. You know, the scriptures never give up on offering us up words of hope and restoration and reconciliation. And they offer us up the awareness that that force that created the universe, well, it lives and breathes in and through you and me. And the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, well, it's ready to meet us in the peace chairs of our very real lives. And so I wonder, what does your peace chair look like for you? Where is it in your life? What things might you need to surround yourself for your peace chair? Bible, a journal, some music, maybe even your own pair of scissors. I'd like to close with a moment of prayer, and I'm going to share with you some words from our spiritual ancestors as they reflected on the real emotion of anger. And we put these in the newsletter if you want to go back and look at them. But I hope that these words from our um, spiritual ancestors might be a source of courageous guiding spirit in how they uh, channel their feelings of anger in some healthy ways. But may the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit help all of us 
All of us find our ways to the peace chairs in our own lives whenever we feel anger or resentment pulling us away from God's love. So let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your spirit at work over the centuries to transform our hearts and to speak love into our lives and heal our spirits. As we listen to these words from the saints of the past, may they speak to us today. Saint Liguri, when we have to reply to anyone who has insulted us, We should be careful to do it always with gentleness. A soft answer extinguishes the wrath of fire. St. Chrysostom, imagine your anger to be a kind of wild beast because it has ferocious teeth and claws, and if you don't tame it, it will devastate all things, even corrupting the soul. St. John of Canty, Fight all error, but do it with good humor, patience, kindness, and love. Harshness will damage our own soul and spoil the best cause. St. Francis de Sales. Never be in a hurry. Do everything quietly and in a calm spirit. Do not lose your inner peace for anything whatsoever, even if your whole world seems upset. And St. Liguori again, when we have to reply to anyone who has, speaks harshly to us, we must always do it with gentleness. If we are angry, it is better to keep silent. Pope St. Gregory the Great, it avails nothing to subdue the body if the mind allows itself to be controlled by anger. And Mother Teresa, if you judge people, you have no time to love them. Lord, we give you thanks for all the saints in the past and for your holy scriptures that continue to offer us guidance and inspiration and how we might live this life of faith heal the brokenness of our lives, and embrace the fullness of your love so that we might be that love for others in this world too. Amen. I now invite the ushers to come forward as we share together in our tithes and offerings.